0: Welcome to the Spectrum of Health podcast. I'm Dr. Christine Schaffner, and today I'm speaking with Dr. Francesca McCartney. Since 1976, Dr. McCartney has worked in the field of intuition as a medical intuitive in an integrative health clinic, a spiritual counselor, author, and educator. In 1984, Francesca McCartney founded the Academy of Intuition Medicine in Mill Valley, California. Francesca synthesizes her decades of study in Eastern and Western spiritual and healing arts into an inclusive approach, which respects both the inherent uniqueness of the individual and the commonalities that bind us all together. From her pastoral counseling and medical intuitive work with thousands of clients, Francesca developed the intuition medicine curriculum. Dr. McCartney is the inaugural recipient of a dual PhD in intuition medicine and energy medicine. As some of you may know, I have a small practice in Marin County, California, and I've heard of Dr. McCartney's academy and work over the years, and I just thought it would be so fun to connect with her and learn more about her work. I really hope you enjoy this conversation about intuition and energy medicine, and please let me know what you think. Welcome, Dr. McCartney. I'm so excited to interview you on this podcast today.
1: Oh, hello, Christine. I'm happy to be in conversation with you. Thank you. Well, our paths have crossed. I
0: recently uh, started working with Dr. Julie Griffith um, at my practice in Marin, and she told me about your Academy of Intuition Medicine and all the wonderful work that she's doing. She actually is a conventionally trained neurologist, and she has taken this whole new season in her life to explore and guide people with intuition medicine. So when I heard about um, the work she was doing and how she, you know, learned from you and your academy, I I just thought I have to call you up and learn more about this. And so I'm I'm really excited to have this conversation. Lovely. And so um, as I mentioned, Francesca, you have the Academy of Intuition Medicine. Um, I look at your whole journey, and you have so much knowledge and experience. Um, But for those who are listening, and, and a lot of my audience knows that this is really an exciting topic for me and an area of passion that I'm trying to learn more myself. And Uh, just share all of these ideas um, with my community after doing the Body Electric Summit. Um, But let's just dive in with um, the concept of intuition medicine. What what do you mean when you are training people in intuition medicine?
1: The term energy medicine is a umbrella term that covers numerous subtle energy methodologies. So energy, under the Umbrella term of energy medicine is homeopathy, acupuncture, sound therapy, um, Sa- even um, laying on of hands potentially that we could include um, in that category as well. Right. that that those are the categories that energy medicine encompasses. So medical, um, intuition medicine is my trademarked school curriculum where I specifically teach a system, to train people to become medical intuitives and use that training as a career and as a vocation. So our students who go through this particular um, medical intuition training come out and they legally can be practicing as a medical intuitive. And most of the time uh, students, I'd say high percentage of uh, our alum go into private practice And they do uh, diagnostic and energy healing and spiritual healing using the methodology and the curriculum that they learned at our academy. Often we have uh, connections to the medical field, integrative, alternative, complementary health clinics where we place our graduates so that they can assist and work along with doctors, uh, clinicians, psychologists, psychiatrists. And determine spiritual or energetic maladies that allopathic medicine has no diagnostic understanding of. So many of the practitioners that graduate from our academy are trained in and very astutely able to do an energetic scan, a subtle energy body scan on a patient, on a client, and to detect if there is an energetic or a spiritual disease or malady that's contributing to physical or psychological or uh, mental type of illness that for most of the client's patients have not had a medical diagnosis for and have kind of stumped their doctors. So we, we actually often get uh, a percentage of students who come into the academy because they have been sick and they have not been able to find any kind of relief or medication or assistance in understanding why they're sick. And most of their uh, diagnostics from allopathic medicine have informed them there's nothing wrong with you. You're making it up in your mind. And when they come into the academy and they start just the first six week class or they move into the second six week class they begin to understand that, that what they have been experiencing as illness is not something that's organic. It is something that's energetic, and it's something that can be called, in in the terms that we use in our academy, a spiritual malady.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and Francesca, some people, you know, I, I have so much to, you know, ask about this whole process, but many people who are listening might be thinking, oh, I, I thought... You know, people who are medical intuitives have a gift or they're born with it or they're special or, you know, I, I don't know if I can do that. But is it your experience through training all of these practitioners that this is something absolutely that is teachable and formulaic and that people all everyone can experience this?
1: I don't know about everyone. I, I, I steer away from talking in absolutes yes. when I profile <laughs> yeah, students yes, who might have the ability or not. But from my experience in my school, my academy since 1984, I have found that the people who come into the academy are people who are ready to learn and probably have had some sort of experience that is a highly intuitive experience. Okay. Or When we go, we go through personality profiles with our students so that they can determine and self-assess if they have uh, particular skill levels that we call the uh, more than five common senses and that more of their intuitive or subtle energy senses, which I've actually listed that there's 21 more human senses than the five common senses, that they have experienced those senses. I give them a language so that they can understand, oh. I can't detect subtle energy. Oh, I am a highly sensitive person. I never had a language or a terminology to understand why I felt this way or why I sensed these things. And now I understand that I do have active intuitive skills. And then from that point, then a student, along with uh, teacher guidance, is able to strengthen and heighten and manage those intuitive skills and to use their intuition for either self-healing, self-awareness, self-diagnosis and then eventually if they go into the master certification program, then we have very specific energy anatomy training modules which just like studying physical anatomy, we break down the energy anatomy systems in a in a in the human body and align them with different symptoms, triggers, illnesses and teach tools on how to bring in energetic healing, spiritual healing to those subtle energy systems and interface them with the physical, emotional, and psychological systems in the human body.
0: It's so beautiful, and I um, I really applaud everything you've done because this is Definitely in my practice, you know, I treat people who are very physically quite ill. I mean, they have very physical symptoms and we get a lot of people better, but we have this model that Dr. Klinghart developed that talked about um, not only the physical body, but also the energetic, mental, intuitive, and spiritual bodies. And, you know, really to recover and heal from a chronic illness, we have to look at these other layers. And so that's kind of the way that we've been communicating about this with our patients and um, you know, many of our patients and under my, you know, also, I, I give a lot of referrals of people who can um, support patients on this level, because I think um, it's so needed to really um, recover from a chronic illness. And you mentioned a few things that I wanted to, um, you know, go back to, um, I've actually um, interviewed Dr. Rubick or Dr. Beverly Rubick on my podcast, and she was on the summit. And I know that she's a, a teacher in your academy. And she really termed this idea of Um, the the biofield. So this subtle energy field that we have um, surrounding our physical body. So you mentioned that part of the assessment to help people unlock um, why people have these physical ailments is to scan their energy field. So can you talk a little bit about what actually is happening from uh, your lens when people are doing an energy scan?
1: Yes, we teach our students In the second class, which is about eight weeks into the training, how to hone their intuitive senses so that a student can uh, scan the subtle energy, not the physical, but the subtle energy body, and detect and map out areas where there is a lack of life force energy or a dissonant frequency only using their honed senses, their more than five senses, as measurement instruments. So there are numerous uh, machines that measure subtle energy. And I really applaud Dr. Rubick. You know, she uh, she started the whole biofield frequency. I don't know if you know this, but she termed the term biofield in mm-hmm. 1984. Mm-hmm. Uh, so our uh, wh- how we train our students is to use... In their scanning assessment, psychometry, which is using their hands and, and moving their hands around the body to detect areas where there is dissonance. We accompany that with a language for them to understand when they do psychometrically detect any dissonance or any frequencies that are not the person's innate life force energy. We give them a language on how to interpret what that particular pattern, energy, or dissonance means. So they map, they locate, and then there's a uh, an energy that they tap into that is a person's innate what we call life force energy. It's called different names by different methodologies. Uh, a system to tap into the person's life force energy and to generate and amplify a person's highest life force energy at their as their best innate energy medicine to raise the frequency of the systems and the physical body to meet and match their best natural medicine. So psychometry is one of the ways we teach our students to uh, do energy mapping, and actually it's the easiest way and the quickest and fastest way for a student to learn how to do a medical intuitive diagnosis. Some students come into the academy already highly clairvoyant, so we support those students Uh, to use their clairvoyance to map out uh, when they're doing a medical intuitive mapping. So some students are clairaudient, naturally, and they hear sounds and tones. And we give students the language of how to interpret those sounds and tones. Uh, Some students uh, have really high uh, accuracy with simply knowing. They know mapping points that are uh, in dissonance or out of dissonance. And there are several other ways that we... um, Teach students to use these various skills.
0: Mm-hmm. So, what would be an example of a uh, language that um, your students or yourself would give to a patient? Let's say someone who has, um, you know, chronic gut issues, or it doesn't really even matter, right, what their physical symptoms are, because what you're sharing and what a lot of my research has also shown that you know the imbalance starts in the field, right? And the field informs the physical body. So, to correct the physical body, we have to correct the field and create more alignment and coherence and all of these things. And so um, just to maybe bring this to life for some of the people who are listening, so what kind of um, you know, messages or patterns or um, you know um, things are your students picking up that could be the key to unlock that
1: patient's physical um, ailment? When we do a, a medical intuitive mapping of the f- field, the energetic field of a person. Uh, we start the mapping with the auric field, the aura, which is the bioelectric field that surrounds the body and a healthy... For, first, a student needs to understand the ideal patterns and then test and map out the auric field, the chakra system field, the acupuncture points, the body's grounding field, and reference it from the ideal patterns and see if it matches up. And if anything deviates from the ideal patterns, then that's an indicator that there is some dissonance or some illness going on in that particular, um, in that particular area. And then we move into language. So let me give you an example. A ideal auric field around a human body, ideal healthy um, auric field, is in an ovoid shape around the physical body North, south, east, and west, above and below, and equidistant. And when a a practitioner is mapping out the auric field, if there is a deviation from that ideal pattern, that ideal health pattern, such as there's a hot spot in one area, or a really cold spot in another area, or the back of the aura is very, very close to a person, or very far away from the person and is uh, dissipated and weak, those are other mapping signals, or there is a tear in the fabric of the aura or a hole, then those are points where a practitioner would then begin to investigate more. So let me give you an example. There's a, a tear in a person's aura, and the practitioner would then follow that tear in the aura using either psychometry or clairvoyance or knowing or clairaudience to follow the trajectory of that tear. It's just like a, a, a gash in the skin, if you will, in the dermal system and follow it into the physical body to, to map out the location of the destination of that tear. So maybe the practitioner follows it through and maps it out and it lands around the heart chakra around the lung area. So then what that's indicating is there is a lower frequency of health or a disturbance or dissonance of the energy field at at or around the heart chakra. Now, if that disturbance has been going on for a long enough time in the chakra system uh, anatomy, it then connects to the uh, uh, thymus gland, and then it transmits and relays to the uh, attending physical areas of the body. So it's an entire kind of mapping from the subtle to the physical.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then how would, um, once this is identified, what tools are used or uh, modalities are used to heal that, um,
1: that tear for, in this example? So practitioners are taught to even before the mapping begins, the diagnostic mapping, to determine their clients or their patients highest life force healing resonance. Mm -hmm. And that's determined with really specific tools that we give the students to use. And once they determine that, that is used as the reference point between health and illness Uh, a higher healthy vibration or lower dissonant vibration. And then using psychometry, the practitioner connects to that resonance of the patient and begins to transmit it from the patient's body where they can locate the highest healing frequency of their life force energy, and then begin to surge it, and raise all the energy in the patient's body to meet and match that highest frequency. So it happens in layers mm-hmm. until the entire body is resonating with the highest healing frequency that the practitioner has located within the field of the of the uh, client.
0: Mm-hmm. So, kind of you know oversimplifying this a ton. So, um, kind of what I'm hearing is that we all have this. Signature life force frequency—that's for you know our highest health on all levels—and because of life and trauma and all of that, we can become out of alignment or dissonant or all of those words to that there's chaos in our field or whatever word we'll use—and then that can translate. um, Those energetic um, imbalances can send or can break communication, you know, in our energy system that translates basically to poor communication in our body. And then the way to heal that is just reminding the body and all of the layers of the body, what is that, ultimate highest um, frequency to realign to. Does that make sense? In, in, in Perfectly. Yeah. You, you <laughs> have
1: perfectly rephrased what I just said. Um, let, me make a, let me make a comment on that. Yeah. Use the word signature uh-huh. energy. And that's exactly the term I use when I'm training my practitioners mm-hmm. is that every person has a unique signature pulse or a unique mm-hmm. signature energy, just like Each of us has a unique fingerprint, Mm -hmm. even if you are an identical twin. And that's the signature pulse or the signature uh, resonance that my practitioners are trained to identify and to really just source it back Mm -hmm. into the person's uh, energy field and physical body. So a person is feeling more like themselves. Mm -hmm. And they're feeling they get to a place where they're starting to understand how they can feel fully healthy.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. You know, another thing is, Christine, much of the way I'm describing how our practitioners operate, I know there have been, and I'm sure you're very aware of this, and you probably use certain machines that do the same exact thing Mm -hmm. that I'm describing uh, on how our medical intuitives uh, do their practice. So what I am trying to do, and and what I what I am accomplishing to do when I train medical intuitives is to say you don't need to have a machine to do this. Mm-hmm. You have all the innate abilities once you learn to identify them and and uh, manage them and kind of bring download them and bring them online into your into your personal human body. You can use your human body as a measurement instrument in the same way. Um, A pendulum works in the same way some of these machines work, especially the ones that Dr. Rubik uses. Mm -hmm. So you don't need to go outside of yourself in order to do that. Some people are more skilled in the type of methodology uh, we train in, and some people really feel more confident if they use a measurement machine rather than their own innate intuition and their own uh, medical intuition. Mm
0: -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure people have different comfort levels or maybe need different, at different times, they, you know, need different things to just feel, you know, develop their confidence in what they're um, experiencing. And is this, is it a hard, do you find that it's um, a hard thing for um, practitioners to learn um, how to identify this, um, this frequency that we all, the signature frequency, because it seems like um, that's the most important key, you know, to all of this is to be able to um, connect to that um, signature frequency of the individual
1: well I will say I have been teaching this methodology since 1977 to many thousands of people and I started my um, my career as, as an educator so a Montessori teacher educator and I'm very much into educating people and I'm very much into making it simple and to to use experimentation so that students can prove to themselves that they can do intuitive work and that they are intuitive. So given that, I have created for every class that's taught what I call a lab session. And this is an experimental session where after they listen to the lecture and they do their own kind of guided introspection and their own self-assessment, they go into a lab session that's uh, mentored by uh, teaching assistants and they're given a a very step-by-step protocol to test whether or not they can measure an energy field or whether or not they can map out an auric field. And class number one of the very first class, we have one one of those uh, lab sessions. And when we explain to students what we are going to guide them to do, Half the class usually moans and says, oh, I'll never be able to do this. No, I can't do this. <laughs> and at the end of the class, when we go over, what did you prove to yourself? 99% say, wow, I did it. I got it. I understand how to do this. And then we build upon that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like exercising a muscle, um, you know, that we probably don't even know we have, right? And I know I am. Exactly. Uh, You know, many of my patients who might be listening know that we use this modality autonomic response testing. And um, while there is an objective piece of this, I think there's a huge other piece um, of connecting, you know, with the patient using this modality that... um, is a, a muscle of um, tapping into another intuitive guidance system that myself and the patient has when we're engaging in this. So it's, you know, it's multifaceted how these, you know, things work. And I, I think, um, you know, the first part is, of course, showing up and, you know, doing the work. And I'm sure as people, you know, do these things more, you know, they get better and better and that they, um, they're you know, they become more confident, right, in their skills.
1: Yes, yeah. Every class, each, uh, every student just becomes more and more confident. Mm-hmm. And what, what they usually begin to understand is what they're learning on how to tap into their intuition and to use it first for healing oneself and then healing others is that it's, it's something that's natural. And for many students, it's something that they already knew, maybe forgot, are now in a remembering process and it then becomes a part of their human language. So most students begin to feel more human as they go through our intuitive training. hmm.
0: hmm. This kind of reminds me of just these concepts of uh, grounding. Um, when I did this uh, body electric summit, I think everybody um, who talked when they said, "What can you know people who are listening to at home?" is you know grounding you know, their energy system um, and their energy body um, with making contact with the earth. And you talk a lot about um, grounding in your work. And I would just love to hear um, your approach and kind of your, um, how you feel like this is an, an important part of Um, you know, our health um, with um, and we and we also have the um, one thing that I also um, didn't mention is when you talk about energy anatomy, we mentioned the auric field and the chakras and the meridian system. But there's this other um, grounding energy system that I wasn't as aware of that. Can you you explain what you mean by
1: that? I'll start with a personal story. When I was a, a Montessori teacher in my 20s, Uh, I had very young children in my classroom, and I would come home from teaching a class, especially in the very beginning, really jangled and um, a lot of my children's uh, angst uh, in my space. And I found that I naturally would go out to my backyard and I'd throw myself on the ground and I'd, I'd, I'd say a prayer or something like, oh, I give it up to the earth or Uh, I'm just letting it all go. And what I began to experience is that when I would get into that, I'm giving it up or I'm letting it go. I'm laying on the earth that I began to feel the sensation of gravity moving through my body in a very profound and deep way and clearing out of my body and moving all the stress and anxiety out of my body and grounding it down into the earth. That was my first visceral discovery of the power of grounding. And I felt like I had a great massage or I was in a sauna and I let go of everything. So I began to practice that more and more, not necessarily laying on the ground every time, but I began to create imagery that would translate to my body when I'd start to get stressed out, especially if I was in the classroom with these kids. And I'd visualize uh, gravity moving through my body and my body connecting like a tree grounding and rooting into the earth. And I'd use creative imagination and move all that stress out and move it into the earth. So that in, the tw- in my twenties was my beginning of, ex- of my experimentation and using grounding as gravity to connect my emotional and physical, physical and psychological body to the earth. So since that time, I've really created many different ways, multiple different ways to use uh, grounding. Uh, for healing and also uh, in delineating the specific energy anatomy systems At every energy anatomy system you, you kind of do a sidebar think about uh, physical systems you know there's a circulatory system, there's a nervous system, the digestive system and so on. well I break down the energy anatomy systems into really specific compartmentalized functions and each one of those energy, anatomy systems has its own very specific way to ground and to uh, be able to access a stronger pulse of one's innate healing energy.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. And I, I feel like, um, you know, these days with especially all of the technology that we're all surrounded by, you know, grounding our energy is even more important for, um, you know, because we have this whole other, you know, interference, right, that we're all overexposed to now. Do, I mean, do you feel that that's, uh, you know, EMF and the um, the whole technology um, or all of the technologies rather that we're exposed to? Do you feel like that those are impacting our energy system? Have you seen that in your academy and with your students and your practitioners?
1: Oh, yes. Much more so than decades ago. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you on that.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and so one thing too you know I'm I have your books and I'm you know looking at your courses and you also you know mentioned that there are differences um, in male and female energy anatomy and what are some just um, high level differences when we think about um, you know the difference between male and female energy anatomy what should we be thinking about especially um, if someone's um, starting to work with clients, how do you, um, is, is this a big difference? Do you feel like this is a big uh, difference that uh, needs to be addressed in how we look at the energy systems in both male and female?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a advanced kind of complicated. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Down simply. Yeah. Okay. Uh, when I work with the, and teach the male, female energy anatomy, I have I have students focus on the um, the function of each of those. Uh, let me try to make this really simple because it's a it's actually a, a complicated concept in the way that I teach it. Mm-hmm. And by the time I have taught the male female energy anatomy systems, my students always say. I didn't think we'd end up here. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> yeah. think we'd end up here. It's yeah. really different than what I thought I was going to be studying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So male-female energy is in kind of two different countries, and the physical body responds to the, the primary gender frequency that the body is exhibiting, uh, male body, female body. Although everyone has both male and female energy, mm-hmm. there's usually a heightened male energy or masculine energy in someone who you would call a man and usually a heightened fe- uh, female energy, feminine energy in someone that you call a female body. However, that has no really distinct lines of de- demarcation once you begin to go into the energy field. You start to determine how much of the energy in your body, whether you're you are in a male body or female body or whatever kind of sexual orientation mm-hmm. um, you have, you begin to first assess, well, how much of my energy is really a masculine type of energy and how much is a feminine type of energy? And I, I will say that my women students in the class, when we go through this assessment, many of them find that they are operating in the world more from their masculine energy than their feminine energy. And that kind of starts a basis of understanding and mapping out how the physical body and the physical anatomy is responding to the signals from the masculine and the feminine uh, resonance within the physical body. And sometimes a body doesn't want to generate the one or or the other energy and it creates a confusion in both physiology and psych- psychology and that can lead to um illness or energetic or spiritual maladies
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is the goal would you say is to um have these systems balanced in our in our bodies if we have both male and female or are we always going to have um you know, one being stronger than another. I mean, it's probably an, a a big question, but I, I'm just, you know, I, I think of the yin and the yang, right? This balanced energy, these balanced polarities, um, is that you know um, best for our health um, to acknowledge these uh, both of these energies in our in our system?
1: It's a it's a step by step awareness. Firstly, mm-hmm. I take my students into yes, acknowledging both their masculine and their feminine energy and identity and purpose and so on. I see myself more as a spiritual teacher Mm -hmm. and a a spiritual energetic practitioner. And my focus is to go into the core of deep energy spiritual healing and what that means to a spirit embodied as a human. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And in focusing on that as the ultimate goal of health And this is where my students are always surprised and say, whoa, I didn't know we'd get here studying (laughs) male-female energy, Mm -hmm. is that if one can transcend the boundary or the demarcation between masculine and feminine energies and bring in a cohesive connection to spiritual vibration and spiritual identity, the masculine-feminine aspects transcend into an essence energy, which is simply the resonance of soul purpose.
0: I think that's a, a big, you know, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that as I reflect on, you know, my experience, you know, on earth at this time and all of my work, you know, with patients. I think purpose is so, so fundamental to, you know, who we are. And when we're not connected with that, I think that's where. You know, dissonance happens in our lives on so many levels. So I think that's a big piece of the human experience, being connected to our, you know, divinely guided purpose. Is that what you're
1: also saying, I guess? Yes. Mm -hmm. And in short, much of the illness that I observe in humans is their loss of purpose Mm -hmm. or being off their path, not understanding Their path or journey this lifetime. Mm -hmm. And from that, it just splinters into all kinds of different expressions of unhappiness, of illness, of sadness, of lethargy. Mm -hmm. So I use the separate energy anatomy systems to begin with very basic fundamental feelings, emotions, uh, energetic patterns, and often end up with a practitioner focusing on what is the purpose? What is my path here? And how can I achieve it by using the energy of this part of my human existence? For example, my male-female energy. How can I use that to, mm-hmm. to be on my path? Mm-hmm. Or with the chakra system. What is the highest a- uh, aspect of using my chakras in synchronicity to express my purpose this lifetime? Mm-hmm. To me, that's deep spiritual healing, deep energetic healing.
0: Yeah, that's really beautiful, and I'm, I'm sure, you know, once that connection's made, so many things align, you know, for that person. So no, I, I'm you know, I'm so glad you mentioned that because I think that's a big. That's what I'm pondering a lot in my life and in my practice right now, as far as how to connect people to that, um, that greater meaning and, you know, um, that individual purpose in life. So no, I think that's so important. Um, And, Francesca, you mentioned, you know, you're obviously, you know, if people haven't figured that out right now. And you've also mentioned you're, of course, a spiritual teacher and all of this work that you're doing and sharing and teaching. Um, And you also talk about um, in, in your work and in your courses about astral body and our, um, you know, ability to dream and weaving in, uh, dreams into our, um, present reality. And I guess my, my question about this is how would you define, um, the astral body? Is it already, um, is it the combination of the energy, um, systems that we just talked about, or is this a different part of our energy system?
1: Yeah. I interchangeably call the astral body, the dream body, mm. uh, you know, more, more or less the same. And you probably know this, that we spend one third of our life asleep. Mm -hmm. So if you live to be 90 years old, that's what, 30 years of your life, you're asleep. So practically speaking, uh, what do you, how can you use those 30 years of your life (laughs) to find your purpose and path and caretake? And you know, this, to me, I try to be pragmatic with all these things. So focusing on training my students to have a awareness of being lucid, have a lucid dream, a lucid state of awareness, allows a student to take all the tools that they've been trained to use in our school and to transmit and utilize those tools while their body's asleep. And their spirit is still awake. So students can find that, oh, I can do healing on my body while my body's asleep and my spirit's awake and I'm in a lucid dream state. And actually that harkens back to millennium ago when in ancient Greece that methodology was called dream incubation. There's a lot of history about dream healing that goes way back to the first recorded uh, historical uh, information sources. And people begin to learn how to be more awake while their f- physical body is asleep and to utilize all the understanding that they've accrued while they've been awake while they're asleep. I don't know if you've looked at our website, but we have the the uh, master of lucid dreaming coming to our school this month, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah, February, uh, Robert Wagoneer, I don't know if you've read any of his books. I
0: know, I don't know him.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, he's doing a workshop on the 29th and Friday the 28th he's doing a talk and then an all-day workshop on the 29th. If you are interested in lucid dreams, he's the master Mm -hmm. of training people in simple and practical ways how to be in a state of lucid dreaming for self-healing, self-awareness, Spiritual growth and so on. Mm.
0: Oh, that's wonderful! I'll look him up. And, and... if you're
1: not in our uh, neighborhood, you can zoom in, or you yeah, you can zoom in or phone in for the. Uh, oh,
0: fun! Oh, that's great! That's wonderful! You can do that remotely. Sure. Um And you know that um, you know, Francesca. I see a lot of patients who have. Um, insomnia, or they they really have trouble sleeping, right? And so, I, you know, it, when I'm talking to you, I'm thinking, you know, we do all these things to, of course, physically calm the brain down and help people to sleep. But, um, you know, what is the greater, probably imbalance, right, when people are not able to um, sleep or connect, um, you know, to this part of our um, spiritual life, right, with, uh, with um, dreaming and um, all the messages that can come through, and that um, you know that part of our um, experience. and I'm, I'm just you know, contemplating you know, looking at insomnia and trouble sleeping and anxiety around sleep from this other lens.
1: Yeah, I think that's really a good place for you to go as a physician to really consider uh, insomnia as an energetic disease, and I'm sure you have done that. In our uh, methodology, insomnia, that The issue of insomnia can be a dissonance in the astral body or the dream body. It can be a dissonance located in the uh, spiritual incarnation system, which is a trademark system that I teach that's actually analogous to a Chinese acupuncture meridian. Mm-hmm. It can be in the, um, it, can, it actually can be in, in the chakra system, uh, located more in the third chakra, and different systems. So insomnia is not it from an uh, energy body, an energy anatomy focus it, or lens. It is not in just one energy anatomy system. It can be in one or another, or in multiple systems affecting the the patient's inability to fully go to sleep, stay asleep, and so on.
0: hmm mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I'm I'm definitely going to be looking at it from that lens more, and I will absolutely check out um, Robert's work as well as yours, of course. Um, so Francesca, I, you know, in, in closing, I feel, um, you know, there's a big conversation, especially with my patients bringing me, um, you know, different work around intention and, you know, maybe manifestation is the same, you know, um, in the same bucket. And, um, you know, I've been actually, I've interviewed Lynn McTaggart and studying her work around intention and, some of my patients are, you know, going through um, this work with Dr. Joe Dispenza and getting results. And um, you have intention, you talk a lot about intention in your work as well. And so um, how, um, what are your, I guess, what are you, how, do, how should we use intention um, in the healing, in the healing process for
1: ourselves or for others? Yeah, intention follows your thoughts. So I take that, that mantra, intention follows your thoughts. And I challenge my students in the very first class to prove to themselves that whatever they're thinking, whatever their intention is, directly affects their energy. And that is actually one of the provets that students find they can prove to themselves in the first class and in the first lab. And mm-hmm. most of the students go, oh my gosh, Now I understand that whatever I think and however I'm thinking, it has a ripple effect in my subtle energy body. It changes my mood and the way I feel, and I'm controlling it. So I need to be responsible about my thoughts because there is a direct connection to my mood, my health, and how I live in my body.
0: No, I, I think that's a, such an important piece, and you know, the um, you know, science is also studying right the power of intention and thoughts and how our thoughts. Um, Lynn's work talks about how our thoughts are even. Um, it are light. She even talks about in that way and how they have a ripple effect into the field. And, you know, we can <laughs> go down a whole, um, rabbit hole, if you will. But no, I, I think it's an empowering. I, I think sometimes in this world, some people look at this as a blaming, and I think about it as a, a source of empowerment. And it's like, hey, you know, for your thoughts, your thoughts are a part of the treatment plan. If we can use them to empower you and to get your body lined up, um, you know, we're that powerful and not. You know, blaming people to say that you know their thoughts are what ma- are making them sick. I think there's that fine line of people, you know, just you know, it, it, life is complex, right? So
1: it's hard, um, you know, to just make it that black and white for for people. Intention is powerful medicine, and it's medicine you carry around with you. Well
0: said, <laughs> um, Francesca. This has been such an honor to connect with you and to pick your brain, and I know that you just have such. Uh, you know, just such an amazing body of work and life experience. And I know you've um, helped so many people. Um, and so how, how, many, um, how can people find out more about your academy and your work and just all the wonderful things you're doing in the world?
1: Very easy. Go to our website, which is intuitionmedicine.org. And what will pop up are our two schools, our campus school in Sausalito, California, and our global online academy, the Academy of Intuition Medicine Online, where we have students from all over the world connecting into that. So yeah, we have events, we have workshops, you can zoom in, you can physically come in uh, and I'd love to meet you sometime, Christine, when you're in my neighborhood. I would love that, too. We'll have to definitely
0: um, make a date. I, um, I definitely want to check out all of your wonderful work and your, um, you know, your events. I, I was just I have it up here. We'll link to it in the show notes. Just oh, you have so many wonderful workshops that are always going as well. So we'll we'll make sure
1: people uh, find your website. Wonderful. Well, it's been my honor as well having this conversation with you.
0: Thank you so much, Francesca, and we will be in touch soon. Thank you for listening to the Spectrum of Health podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation today with Dr. McCartney, and please check out her website at intuitionmedicine.org. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please feel free to leave a review. That means a lot to me. And if you have uh, suggestions, feedback, or would like to suggest a guest, please reach out at info at